Hello, and welcome to the weekly market podcast by BNP Paribas Asset Management. I'm Daniel Morris, Senior Investment Strategist, and I'm joined this week by Pam Wu, Head of U.S. Equities, who will be sharing her insights on the outlook for small cap equities. Before we turn to Pam, a bit of a recap on what's been going on in the markets over the last week or so. Generally, we've had more encouraging macroeconomic data, particularly in terms of the job market in the U.S. We had the lowest jobless claims in the U.S. since the pandemic started, and the U.S. non-farm payrolls data beat expectations, which points to a continued improvement in the labor market, but certainly not at the same pace as we had seen over the last few weeks. On the pandemic side, generally speaking, also encouraging data coming in in the U.S. It does seem like infections peaked probably in mid-July, though the death rate has not yet started to fall. We would anticipate that doing so if the infections continue to decline. On the other hand, in Europe, actually, the situation there is deteriorating with perhaps more countries seeing increasing rates of infection with France now, the one that's the biggest worry, uh, particularly for governments thinking about the tourism season through the rest of the summer. In fact, the only major countries in Europe where the infection rate is lower than it was in June are Finland, Italy, Portugal, Sweden, and the UK. So all the others actually seen higher rates of infection than we had in June. The next important macroeconomic indicator to keep an eye out for will be July retail sales in the U.S., as we've been highlighting the importance of consumer demand as an indicator for the potential of economies to rebound from the lockdowns that we had earlier this year. Other important notes for the week, kind of final lessons for the U.S. earnings season. Surprises were positive 20%, 20% for U.S. corporates, which is an exceedingly high number. In contrast, surprises in Europe were minus 5%. So again, unfortunately, disappointment in terms of profitability for European corporates, at least relative to the U.S., Importantly, the surprises in the U.S. were generally broad-based, whereas those that we saw in Europe tended to be more sector-specific. We also have seen, generally speaking, uh, positive guidance from companies in the U.S., though it's important to recognize that far fewer companies have been providing guidance than in typical learning seasons. And in fact, particularly with the extremely good results that we had from several companies in the tech sector, you've already seen a significant uptick in earnings estimates for companies in tech looking out through next year and the year after. If we think then of the major threats to the rally in the market that we've had since March, clearly the coronavirus pandemic, rising tensions between the U.S. and China, and also concerns about the ability of the U.S. Congress to pass an extension of labor market support and fiscal stimulus, it would seem that the concerns around pandemic perhaps are falling while those around China and fiscal stimulus are rising. Now let's turn to our guest speaker this week, Pam. Uh, As I'm sure you're well aware, small cap performance tends to move in cycles, though the coronavirus pandemic has obviously disrupted everything. What trends have you seen? And what parts of the small cap universe have benefited from the pandemic? 
and which have suffered. Looking over a very long-term time horizon, relative performance between small caps and large caps does indeed tend to move in cycles. The duration and magnitude of those cycles are, of course, more unpredictable. Leading up to the COVID-19 pandemic, small caps had underperformed significantly going back to late 2013. Over this period, the outperformance of the S&P 500 versus the Russell 2000 was a cumulative 71%. Such extreme variations in performance are rare, and the last time we witnessed something similar was in the lead-up to the dot-com bubble of the late 1990s. One reason that small caps decline more than large caps going into the pandemic is that they have higher exposure to secularly challenged industries, such as retail, travel and leisure, energy, REITs, etc., at roughly 25% of earnings, which is almost double that of large cap. However, we believe a mitigating factor could be the deglobalization of U.S. manufacturing, which could benefit small caps with higher domestic exposure. Since the recovery in U.S. equity markets in March, propelled by the rapid response of governments globally in the face of this crisis, the small cap index is 56% above the March lows versus a 40% gain for the S&P 500. Though small cap continues to rise year to date, they still lag large cap significantly. What has led the markets higher thus far have been the pandemic playbook, from vaccine developers, telehealth, and diagnostic testing companies to remote connectivity platforms, e-commerce, digital streaming, etc. These companies have all benefited considerably, and in many cases, the pandemic has accelerated their disruption of more classic business models. Conversely, restaurants as well as brick-and-mortar retailers of all sizes have suffered tremendously during this pandemic recession. The same goes for hotels and numerous other industries, including airlines, oil EMPs, REITs, and many others. Ultimately, a vaccine and economic improvement could result in several years of small-cap outperformance in the immediate future. I discussed the U.S. and European earnings seasons in the introduction, but I'm interested to hear from you what profitability has been like for small caps in the first half of the year. Also, how important has the support from the U.S. government been in keeping companies afloat? Are we looking at large numbers of zombie companies, and is that something you're concerned about? As of the end of July, we were roughly a third of the way through second quarter small cap earnings. While profits are down by 55%, this was a lot better than consensus. Over 75% of companies have beaten estimates, less than 10% have disappointed, and even more encouraging is that about 60% of small cap stocks thus far have beaten by one standard deviation. Overall, a positive surprise bias to earnings results is an encouraging sign for small caps. More than 40% of small cap companies are unprofitable, the most since 2010. This may seem at odds with market activity, but monetary and fiscal support is having a meaningful impact. While debt ratios remain elevated, access to cheap credit has allowed interest coverage ratios to remain somewhat manageable. Market sentiment has been keenly aware of the potential downside protection provided by various stimulus measures and has rewarded shares of some of the most battered corporates with impressive rebounds since the March lows. However, these large returns are created from much smaller capitalizations, and in most cases, prices remain well below previous highs. 
The next leg higher will not be so easy, and it is of increasing importance to allocate capital in businesses that will return to profitability, benefiting from sustainable competitive advantages rather than government lifelines. With that type of background, what's your view then for the outlook of U.S. small caps through the rest of the year? Are valuations attractive, particularly relative to large caps? And which sectors and industries do you see as recovery plays? Our base case scenario is of a deep recession in the first half of this year, marked by the earnings low point during the second quarter of 2020, followed by a gradual but bumpy recovery. In the short term, after a steep rise in equities since March, things may remain choppy in line with the news on economic indicators and the lingering coronavirus. We believe that the highly proactive economic policies implemented to kickstart consumption and support companies point to a favorable trend for risky assets in the medium term. Indeed, investors will have to assess whether the damage to the economy is temporary or permanent, especially in terms of employment, and assure themselves that the resurgence in the COVID-19 outbreak does not deteriorate further. U.S. growth expectations have improved in recent weeks, while improving business surveys and employment data have added further stability to the upward trajectory in equities. The macro backdrop has gotten better on several fronts. In addition to the better employment data, an improving PMI really helps small caps, as does a sharp bounce back in the ISM manufacturing. Also, a weaker dollar helps small caps more than large caps. And finally, high-yield spreads narrowing is also helpful for small caps. Things that we are watching. Earnings and sales revision ratios are now above one and are currently led by cyclicals. In fact, earnings revision trends have rebounded more sharply in small caps than large caps. And gains beyond healthcare and tech raise prospects for continued participation of small caps in this recovery. COVID cases in the U.S. have risen, thus the economic recovery and market sentiment may be uneven. We would like to see continued improvement in economic mobility and engagement data across consumer industries, including restaurants, retailers, and hospitality. This would likely also then be reflected in economic metrics like retail sales and PMI data. We hope to see more positive news and trial updates throughout the summer months and beyond. Ultimately, the development and distribution of a vaccine may be critical in restoring confidence and economic activity to pre-crisis levels. Lastly, we're watching the upcoming U.S. elections. Equity valuation multiples are expanding, but in the case of small caps, still remain below highs over the last couple of years. With poor visibility on near-term earnings, it may be more instructive to compare valuations between market cap segments. In fact, small caps are the cheapest they've been to large caps since 2003, and now stand in the 14th percentile over multiple valuation metrics, which has historically led to a stronger relative performance over the next 3 to 12 months. As the economy reopens, we expect select cyclical sectors may do well as the performance gap between the winners and the laggards remain high. Some of the more compelling risk-reward come from unloved cyclicals, including industrials such as machinery and commercial services, retail, restaurants, and industries tied to travel and leisure. 
We also think MedTech will do better as elective procedures begin to reopen again. Of course, everyone's attention is increasingly turning to the U.S. elections. What would be the implications of a Democratic sweep for small cap stocks? Betting markets continue to anticipate a Biden victory in November, and odds are pointing to a full Democratic sweep as increasingly likely. Although Biden's agenda calls for higher corporate and income tax rates, we believe the risk of tax increases in the context of a struggling economy may take a back seat, while issues such as stimulus to fight against COVID, racial inequality, and China trade policies will likely play larger roles. We compared the performance of the 11 major gig sectors on a relative basis versus the small cap index to trends and expectations that Biden will win the presidency in the betting markets. Thus far, healthcare, technology, and consumer staples have all been positively correlated with Biden's winning odds, while financials, real estate, energy, communication services, and industrials have been most inversely correlated. This implies that defensive and secular growth are beneficiaries of a Biden victory, while cyclical value sectors are not. Since 1948, small cap's average annual performance during U.S. presidential election years was 12%, outperforming large caps by more than 200 basis points. In addition, U.S. small cap stocks have historically generated better average gains than large caps in the final five months, August through December period of presidential elections, 5.4% return versus 3.4%. Historically, when presidential elections are over, there tends to be relief rallies in markets, regardless of which party wins, because that uncertainty is behind us. To cope with uncertainty, we favor a barbell approach to investing with an ongoing secular growth tilt with tech and healthcare overweights and an increasingly economic sensitivity overweight to industrials and select cyclicals. Thanks, Pam, for sharing your insights on the outlook for small cap stocks. Uh, If I can summarize what you shared with us, you did like that there had been a period of underperformance for small cap stocks. But since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic, that's actually turned around and small caps are doing much better. One of the broader themes that could have a longer term impact on the outlook for small caps is actually deglobalization, which in theory, at least, should benefit small caps at the expense of large caps. One thing that could also have a big impact on the performance of small caps in the near future would be the development of a vaccine, because, of course, we're all aware of how much domestic demand has been hurt by the imposition of lockdowns. And with a vaccine, we would anticipate an even swifter rebound in domestic demand. As for the earnings season, we've also seen small caps beating estimates significantly, as we saw in large caps. The outlook, though, likely will continue to be bumpy as the economic recovery is likely to be, though, broadly speaking, we do still see it as positive for risk assets in general. Notably, valuations for small caps are still below their highs and cheap relative to large caps. And finally, in terms of the political implications of a democratic sweep, uh, would seem also something that could help the performance of small caps, certainly relative to large caps, with the expectation of fiscal stimulus and increased infrastructure spending under a democratically controlled Congress and with a democratic president. 
Well, that's it for us this week. Thank you, as always, for listening in. If you have any further questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. And with that, we will wish you all a good week and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.